Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Today, you're in for a treat as we're joined by the phenomenal Gemma Stiles. She's a talented writer, mental health advocate, and podcast host of Good Influence, which I've been devouring, where she explores a range of topics with impressive guests from mental health to confidence and climate to media representation. Gemma, thank you very much for joining me today. Could you give uh, an introduction in your own words? Oh, well, I thought your one was so nice. I don't know if I'm going to be able to say as many nice things about myself. Thank you for having me there. I'm excited to have a chat with you. I think, yeah, I'm big on all things brain, as you said, very interested in mental health and have experienced a lot of mental health issues myself over the years. So yeah, it's definitely something that I'm very passionate about and enjoy talking about when I can muster the <laughs> the kind of mental fortitude to do so. Well, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I suppose, I mean, that might be a really fascinating place to just start, which is that I suppose, how do you approach doing quite a lot of like, you know, media and work with other people, whilst also protecting your own mental health? Like, how do you put up those kind of boundaries? And what advice do you have for us there? Um, I think timing, as you say, can be a very important thing. So like a lot of people, I also struggle to talk about things like when I'm in the very midst of it happening. Like, I mean, in all honesty, if it was a couple of days ago that we were recording this podcast about anxiety, like I was just having a really anxious day, I think I would have really struggled. But then today I'm okay. So we'll have a chat about it. And I think that's kind of how I approach it on social media as well. Like you do what you can when you can. From a social media influencer point of view, though, you also have to plan your content, right? And so I'd love to know, you know, like, how do you how do you go about that then? Do you sort of wake up and feel like today is an anxious day or isn't an anxious day? I'm going to approach my content today based on how I feel? Or do you try and like forward plan against your anxiety, which is like, I don't know how I'm waking up in a few days, so I better do it today when it's not an anxious day? I think I am possibly the worst person to ask this question to, because as far as there are a lot of very well-planned, very sort of regimented, strategic Instagram profiles out there. I am about as slapdash as you could possibly be with it while still making a living. <laughs> I think I use social media in quite a, I mean, like a lot of other people would, I think. It's just I then add in more stuff that is for work or I'll share more things that I think I should and I want to and have the platform for because there are hopefully um, a decent amount of people that are going to listen to it. That is a tricky balance to strike because you kind of, it's like the whole idea of when people say, oh, like pictures or it didn't happen kind of thing. And everyone's very obsessive about, you know, documenting experiences because if you haven't shared it on social media, then, you know, what was the point of the thing? Which I hate as a concept anyway. I understand why it happens because, you know, so much of our sort of social currency comes through social media now. And also when good things happen, people like to share them and commemorate them and document them and all the rest of it. But I also think it's very easy to then not be able to go to a cafe or not be able to go for dinner with someone without it becoming a kind of content production opportunity, which is it's a fine line as well. I think between just deciding 
how much of your personal life you want to share as well for a lot of people when it is their job and their livelihood is around you know being an influencer for want of a better title but I think yeah you have to keep a real awareness of not giving everything to everyone at all times. There can be a tendency, and I've spoken to people about this before, where if you start talking about mental health on social media, it can kind of become the main thing about you. And I don't really like that as an idea. Like I, I really appreciate a lot of the mental health content that other people put out. And I know that people, you know, have whole online presences around mental health. And I think that is great. But when it's so on a granular level about you and the things that you're struggling with, I wouldn't personally like that to be the only thing that I talk about. Yeah. And I think, well, certainly in my experience anyway, this is not a science-backed principle at all, but it's certainly what I've observed. The more time I spend focused on myself, thinking about my own problems, my own my own mental health, etc., the more I end up spiralling with it anyway, as opposed to if I'm able to get outside my head and like try to find that moment of awareness and think about other people. Just in general, more time I spend thinking about other people that aren't me, the better my mental health is, full stop. Yeah, I agree. And I also disagree in a weird way. I think it's, I agree, but if you push it to the extreme, it becomes just another kind of form of anxiety. So I think, so for example, so I have a list on my website, I agree with you, when you feel down or anxious or sad, it can be really helpful to kind of feel like you're doing something useful and you're caring for someone else. So I, yeah, I have this list on my website of things and some of them that people have sent in are that are kind of small, actionable things that you can do to feel like you've done something good in the world. I think it can also turn into a thing on social media though, where it's very easy to consume a lot of other people's anxieties and traumas and bad things that are happening to other people, which of course we should be paying attention to and does need our attention and need our actions and everything else. But it can also mean, you know, if you're spending a lot of time on social media and hearing about a lot of bad things or, you know, very stressful or very, very emotive topics where you obviously as a human being will then feel a lot of empathy and sympathy and kind of wanting to reach out to other people. It can be a lot at the same time. And I know a few people and I've a lot of people have talked about this where it can be then very exhausting and you're taking on a lot of other people's traumas and anxieties at the same time and then adding them on top of yours. So I think it you have to find a balance in that respect as well of go outside of yourself, look for ways that you can help, but also remember that you can't fix everything and that's okay as well. When did you sort of become aware, so to speak, of experiences with poor mental health, you know, whether that's anxiety or depression, like, when did you first notice? And did you did you get diagnosed specifically? Um, did you need to? Was it kind of obvious to you? When I kind of look back on it, I think I definitely had anxiety from a younger age. But you know, in the kind of way that your life is just very different as a child and a teenager, isn't it? So I think the ways that it manifests aren't always terrible at the time. Um, I think I remember going into like A-level exams was when I think anxiety then started to affect 
my behaviors a little bit more. So like there was a time when I was revising and before certain A-level exams, I can't remember exactly when, but I would be so anxious that I couldn't really sleep. And I got into the habit of going to the gym in the evening. And if you know me at all, you'll know how out of character that is. I never was and still now I'm not a gym going person. <laughs> it's, not, it's not something I enjoy doing. But I had ended up getting into the habit of going to the gym in kind of the late evening, just so I could tire myself out enough to go to sleep. Because otherwise I just couldn't sleep because I was so anxious about revision and exams and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, again, that's something that people would look on at the time and being like, oh, she's getting some exercise. So that's good. <laughs> Not kind of realising that it feeds into something else. I think things got to a point where I needed to see a doctor, therefore then got diagnosed when I was at university. conversation and communication is is really important in this arena still but not just around depression and anxiety because that's that's what I have personally struggled the most with but and I've talked about this online before you know when we come to things like awareness days for mental health now I think we've almost reached a saturation point with awareness of depression and mental health depression and anxiety sorry I should say I don't mean that we're now completely fine with it I don't mean that we're all dealing with it well and but when it comes to awareness rather than then actions and treatment and how we treat other people who are suffering with these illnesses I think the actual awareness now maybe needs to be shifted more onto less discussed mental illnesses if you like because there's a hell of a lot more stuff going on than depression and anxiety and I think it's oftentimes a lot harder for people with other illnesses such as bipolar or schizophrenia or OCD. I think those things are less understood even than depression. Yeah, I totally agree. I'd love to talk just very briefly, how in your experience have family and friends and people around you been able to help you and engage with you in a useful way that's constructive and works for you? I think it can be very individual. So I... I've always really appreciated friends who even kind of acknowledge that they can tell that something is going on with you. So I think if you if you're already at the stage where, you know, people know that you have an issue with depression or anxiety or, or some kind of mental health condition, I think kind of just letting people know that you're around. So some a friend might text me for example and say, "You've been very quiet and I've noticed that. Are you okay? Can I do anything?" And I think even small things like that just let you know that someone is aware and somebody cares about it. There's oftentimes like not that much that a friend maybe can do for you in that particular moment. But it's nice to know that somebody is there, has noticed, does care, and also doesn't make you feel like a burden for it. Because I think that is what our brains love to do to us in this situation and just make make the whole thing worse, is kind of convince us that nobody cares or we're being annoying by having the issues that you know tend to be longer term problems it's not I mean at least in my experience I think with depression it's unfortunately not been that kind of situational depression where you fix the thing and then it's gone it kind of just is something that I've dealt with for a longer time so yeah I think just being there and offering to be there and also it's okay to ask someone 
what they need you to do. I don't think anyone with depression expects you to look at them and know exactly what they need and they don't expect you to fix anything. But if you've got someone in your life who you think might need you, but you don't really know how or if you should, what you should offer or how to help, I think it's fine to ask someone as well and kind of you know, say, can I do anything? Do you need me to just come around and sit with you? Do you want to go out for a walk? Do you want to do something else? And I think it's fine to ask and let them tell you what they need as well. Amazing. Thank you. Um, last question on this episode then, which is, you know, we talked a little bit at the start, you know, what about brain care, but what does brain care mean to you? Like what kind of things do you do to actively take care of your brain um, on a regular basis? I think trying to form small habits that I find comforting and kind of grounding throughout the day. So whether that is, you know, your very boring, basic things that just I know are going to happen in the morning, like getting up, brushing my teeth, putting the kettle on. I personally find those sort of markers in the day very helpful. I have been looking more into nutritional elements and stuff. I'm, I'm basically always looking for ways to make myself feel better and do better. So, I mean, I've been taking heights recently myself. I'm not not far enough in on the journey to, uh, <laughs> to give you a full review. But I think just even focusing on brain health is something that's quite new to me. Like I'm reasonably well-versed now, I guess, in talking about mental health. But I think I haven't been very aware of kind of anything chemical. But that's always something that I've found frustrating about mental health is that in terms of, you know, like you can't just pop to the GP for a blood test and they can't tell you exactly what's going on with your brain chemistry. So I think looking into and doing more research into kind of nutrition and stuff, I've personally found really interesting. As much as I'd like to go on, I'm going to have to stop it here. Don't go too far. We've got another episode with Gemma coming up next. Um, so thank you very much for your time, Gemma. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain food to get your free score from 1 to 100 and start taking action from there. See you next time.